everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. So we're talking about revelation over resolution. That's what we're talking about over the last few weeks. The idea is simple that resolutions, they just don't last very long. Typically, you know, by this time, we are over with our resolutions for the most part. If you're still going with your New Year's resolution, resolution, keep going. Keep going. That's great. You know, cutting something out, adding something, you know, more healthy, beneficial to your life. All those things are important to do. So keep going. I want to just, I'll keep inspiring you in that way. But what's more important when it comes to our lives is our spiritual life. That's really what we need mostly in, in anything that's, we're spiritual beings. Um, God made us in that way. And all of us have this, this need. All of us have this need. And the only thing that can satisfy that need, it, it, isn't, it isn't games, it isn't, it isn't money, it isn't better things, newer things, shinier things. The only thing that can satisfy that need in us is Jesus. He's the only one that can meet and satisfy those needs. And so Jesus has for us a, a revelation, a revelation. Um, when, you, when you hear the word revelation, it, it, it sounds heavy and weighty and intimidating and I don't understand, like I, and I get all that. But revelation is simply just a revealing of truth, a revealing of truth. A resolution, they only last for a certain amount of time, they're temporary, but a revelation, a revealing of truth, that will last for all of eternity. That will sustain. You, you, when you start to make that a priority in your life, having a revealing of truth or allowing Jesus to speak truth into your life, I'm telling you, that will make a world of a difference in your life. So that's what we've been doing. We, and we've been looking at um, different churches. Um, Jesus literally had a message to individual local churches. I, I can't reiterate enough of how awesome that is that God Almighty, the one who spoke everything in existence, the one who woke you up this morning, the one who puts breath in your lungs, the one who is perfect and complete and holds everything together, cares about our local church. That's, I mean, that's mind-blowing to me. That is like, he cares. And the reason why he cares is because he cares about you. You matter. You're important. You're not just somebody that fills a seat. You're not just somebody that gives a few bucks into a plate. You're not just somebody that volunteers a little bit of your time. You're somebody that is a part of the body of Christ, and you're just as important as anyone. You're just as important as any pastor or any full-time staff. You're, you're just as important. This works because of you. Because of you. You make all the difference in the world. This wouldn't work without you. It wouldn't work. So in light of that, let's give ourselves a round of applause, everybody. Come on. This doesn't work without you. You matter, and you matter to Jesus. And Jesus said, I've got something important that I want to say to you. Not because he wants us to feel bad, but because he wants us to be healed, or he wants us to be better. He wants us to be a light in this community. That's our goal. Our goal is to be a light in this community. Jesus said, listen, it boils down to this. You are the light of the world. And he said it another way. You're the salt of the earth. 
That's who we are together. So Jesus had a word. And we've been looking at his word to the different churches, the different local churches in around the Asia Minor, minor area. And, uh, and, and he had a word of encouragement. Then he also had a word of that, that they needed to make some corrections on. So, so today, this is a tough church, uh, but this is a ter- church that uh, needed to hear some correction. They didn't even have, Jesus didn't even really have a, so much of a good thing to say about them. So you just get, you got to imagine, man, this, this kind of church. Uh, but this, this is so important. This is the, the, the reason why we're here today, the, the, what, this, what this is all about, this message is all about, this reason why we're here today. And so I, I, let's just go because we got to eat some chili in a few minutes, all right? So let's just get into it. Um, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but yet you are dead. And so he says, listen, this church in Sardis, Sardis was a, um, as a matter of fact, they were known for two things. They were known for manufacturing clothes. They were known for manufacturing clothes. That was what they were known for. Uh, So everybody, anybody that wore clothes and things like that, they were known for that, okay? They were sort of like the, the, the mall of, of Asia Minor, okay? Whenever you needed a garment or something to go to, you went to Sardis and you got, you know, some, some clothes and things like that that you needed some supplies from there, okay? And so they were known for manufacturing clothes and they were also a, known for their military uh, center. They were a military uh, base. Two things uh, happened though. They, they ran out of relevancy, Two things happened. In their, in their manufacturing of their clothes, they, they became irrelevant. And when it came to their military strength, they also became irrelevant. So if you think about like, they were like the mall, you know, at one point in the 80s and 90s, they were thriving. Do you remember going to the mall in the 80s and 90s? And it was, anybody, come on with me, shake your head. Yes, 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 yeah. Some of you younger people, there was something called a mall, okay? Um, and it, there wasn't Amazon. Amazon didn't exist then, okay? Uh, and so, um, so they, they, would, they were like thriving. They were thriving. And then, you know, something happened where, you know, they, they became irrelevant. And, and their, their clothes weren't necessary. Their clothes, you know, their clothes were out of style, if you want to say it in that way, in those terms. Um, and so they, they, but they were living as if they were still relevant. They were living in that way. In other words, so, G- so Jesus is saying, like, in your name that you are alive, but in the reality is that you are, you are dead. So like there's still malls that exist, but I don't know how long they're going to make it. There may be a, a, a niche need for them, but, but for the most part, I mean, even the, the stores like Macy and JCPenney's and, and forgive me if you used to work there and you were, you know, had stock in all those companies, but they just didn't make it. They didn't make it anymore. And so, and so that's kind of what their reputation were. As another, another reputation, like I said, they were military. They were military center. On two different occasions, you know what happened? On two different occasions, um, their guards that were guarding outside of the, the walls of that city, the guards fell asleep. They fell asleep. And on two, not one time, but two times, the guards fell asleep and the enemy got in and it completely weakened their city. But they didn't, they didn't live as, they lived as if they were still in their heyday of their military. They lived as if they were still the powerhouse of that area. They lived as if they were still the ones that to be reckoned with. But Jesus was saying, and the reality was, you're not. You're not. You've allowed the enemy to infiltrate into the city. 
You're no longer relevant when it comes to clothing, and you're no longer relevant when it comes to, you know, military. And the church was exactly the same way. At one point, the church in Sardis thrived. It thrived. It, people were coming to know Jesus and, and people were, getting, were serving and getting involved. And other, they were inviting people to church and it was just a thriving ministry. But then over time, they began to die. They began becoming internal. Listen, when a church starts to go internal, death is, is imminent. When a church starts to go internal, death is imminent. It's the way that it is. And the church of Sardis was no different. And they were not only dying, but according to Jesus, they were dead. Oh, they had the ministries and they had the programs and they had maybe even the people in the crowd. But I'm t listen, listen, you can have all the ministries, you can have all the programs, and you can have the people in the crowd. It doesn't mean that it's an alive church. Are you with me? We as church people can go through the motions. We can become like the Pharisees, very religious. We can look good. We can appear good and spiritual. But in reality, what's going on in our heart is way too far for God. It's too far. And so Jesus is going, listen, come on. I don't want you to be that. I don't want you to be that anymore. And even though you have a reputation of being alive, you don't. You're not. You're not. And the only thing that brings a church, a dead church to life again, is what he, he refers to as the seven spirits. Now, what does that mean? The, 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 the number seven, and this is sort of where the book of Revelation, we just, you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper. The number seven uh, means complete, complete or fullness, okay? A fullness. So what Jesus is saying when he's identifying himself, he's saying the only thing the only thing that can make a church alive is not its programs. It's not the amount of people. You know, it, it, it's not, you know, how, how, how well, you know, we look or, or, or how well we pray or whatever the case is. The only thing that makes a church alive is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The only thing that takes some, take something that's dead and brings it back to life again is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The reality is this. At one point, at one point, the reality is this. And so here, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me go on to the next verse. I gotta pull myself back for a second. Next verse, next verse. Thank you. Here's what he says. Be constantly alert. Be constantly alert and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Now, that, that phrase constantly alert, here's what that means. And maybe in your version of the Bible, it says this. It means wake up, wake up, wake up. He's, then he says this, he says this. Next verse. But you have a few people so in the church, there's a few people. For the most part, the church is a dead church. Yeah, it may have people. Yeah, it may have good programs. But it doesn't have the presence of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have the presence of the Holy Spirit. But there are a few people, he says, but you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. Now, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? 
who have not soiled their garments, who have not gotten their garments dirty. Now, here's why Jesus is saying it. Remember, remember what the city was known for? It was known for their manufacturing of clothing. It was known for their manufacturing of garments. And so Jesus is trying to speak their language. And he's saying like, you know how when you spill and, you know, stuff on your clothes, you know, it's like, that's what's happening. That's what's happening. That's what you've allowed. That's what you've allowed. And the soiled garments is a representation of sin. It's a representation of sin. Now, the soiled garments, the soiled garments of sin don't make us dirty, but they make us dead. Okay? The soiled garments of sin. Here's here's the gospel. Okay? Here's the gospel. Sin doesn't make you do bad things. Sin makes you dead. Right? You, you and I were dead in our trespasses and in our sin, right? So that's what he's saying. Listen, he's giving this as an analogy. The soiled garments of sin don't make us dirty. They make us dead. And what a church needs is what an individual needed before you put your faith in Christ. Your sin which separated you from God, for all have sinned, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Your sin didn't just make you do bad things, it made you spiritually dead. And the only thing, the only thing that can bring your dead spirit back to life again is the presence of the Holy Spirit by faith. By faith. Are you with me? This is the gospel. The gospel is good news. That means you no longer have to live in your deadness. You no longer have to live in your sin that God, but God, so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Do you know this verse? Okay, good. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He sent his son to die to take your place. And when you receive Jesus by faith and you receive that gift of grace, your dead spirit comes to life again. The, Isaiah says it this way. For all of us have become like the one who is unclean and all of our righteous deeds so you can have good de- you can do good things, you can be a good person, you can do, you can do all the things that would make for you to be somebody with high character, high integrity person. But the reality is, it's not by your deeds that you are saved. It's by faith in Jesus. It's by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's not by your works, not by your works. It's by what Jesus already did for you on the cross. And so you can have all these righteous deeds that you want, but according to Isaiah, they're just filthy garments. They're just soiled garments, right? But he goes back, he says this, go back to verse four if you could. 
Stephen. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. They are worthy. Now, the, the, often, the, other, the other night, um, my, I took my girls to, uh, somebody gave us Michigan basketball tickets to go to the basketball game. So um, I took my girls to go to the Michigan basketball game. And so what was appropriate, what was appropriate was is that we put on clothes that were Michigan clothes, right? That's appropriate. You go to a Michigan basketball game, you better put on clothing that indicates that you're a Michigan fan. Are you right? Am I right about this? And so when you go to the stadium, when you go to the arena, if you're not wearing Michigan you know, clothes, you're, you're going to stick out. You're going to like, you're going to, you're going to be the weird one, right? You're going to be the weird one. And so, so if you're not dressed and supporting the team, that, that's, that's going to look, that's going to look funny. And so here's what, here's what Jesus is implying. Jesus is like, listen, I want you to put on the white uniform because that's what we're about. I want you to take off the soiled uniform and I want you to put on the white uniform. I'll get to that in a second. The other question that I get when people ask me about the church, they say, if, when, if I invite them to church, I oftentimes get this question, what do I wear? What do I wear? And I'm like, wear whatever you want. I don't care, wear whatever you want. You, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. And, and you, you know, some, some people just have this idea, you, you know, like they, they, you have to dress up, you have to wear a tie. Maybe you still are in that camp, but, or maybe you're like, thank goodness, I don't have to wear that anymore. Right, you know, so maybe you're there. And so oftentimes, like, what do I wear? Like, and I'll say, just wear whatever. But here's actually, the Bible gives us something that we are to put on as a church. That we actually, as a church, have a uniform. We have a uniform. Here's what Paul says, our, our, what our uniform is in Colossians. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, look what he says, put on Put on, or maybe in other versions it says, clothe yourself, or put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, gentleness, and patience. And then he goes on to say this, verse 13. Bearing with one another, he's not done. You still have a full uniform to put on, right? Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so must you do also, this is our uniform. And then he says this in verse 14. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. That you and I have a uniform. You and I, when we come to church or when we even go out into this world, you and I have a, have a uniform to put on. He's saying, listen, I want you to put on the uniform of compassion and patience and kindness and forgiveness. And ultimately, I just want you to wear the uniform of love because that's the perfect bond of unity. That, that word worthy that you saw in, in Revelation 3, that word worthy means this. It means to match up, to match up. So you and I together, so when you think about like the game tonight, right? There's a matchup, right? You got the, the Cincinnati Bengals matching up against the Los Angeles Rams, right? Right? So you got, the, you got a matchup happening. So 
We, we, we as a church, as a, as a Jesus follower, according to Paul, he said those who are chosen, those who are beloved, you know, those who are holy. He says, you have to put on your uniform because you're going to be matched up against your enemy. You're going to be matched up against your enemy. So all of us have to wear our uniform. We have to. We have to be put on compassion. We have to put on patience. We have to put on kindness. We have to put on forgiveness. We have to put on love because we're matched up. We're matched up. Jesus just called it white. He called it white. Okay? He says, you, we're wearing white. And when you wear white, you're matching up against the enemy. You're matching up. Again, what we've been saying through this whole series we don't battle against flesh and blood. We are battling against powers and principalities and darknesses of this world. If we're not putting on compassion and patience and kindness and forgiveness and grace and love and mercy, we are gonna get beat. You're gonna lose. Because Jesus is going, come on, I want you to match up. You gotta, you gotta match up against the enemy. He's ready to play. He's ready to play. He's ready to manipulate. He's ready to kill. He's ready to destroy. He's ready to deceive. He's ready to lie. He's ready to put a wedge in what Jesus is saying where there needs to be unity. There needs to be unity. So Jesus is going, I want you to be worthy and how you're worthy is you got to put on your church clothes. But not just on Sunday morning at 1030. But I want you to put on, put on your church clothes every single day. Because church is not a place that you go. Church is a place, is a, is a people that we are. That's what we are. We're the church. And we're matched up. Don't lose. And listen, listen, just like us the other night, if we didn't wear our Michigan clothes, we would look goofy. If you as a Christian and I as a Christian and I'm not putting on my Christian clothes, Jesus following clothes, you know what we look like? We look goofy. Because Jesus is going, this is what I want you to put on. This is what I want you to wear. Let me just share these three things of why this is so important and why this is a big deal, okay? Three things. Look at what it says in verse five. So the one who overcomes, the one who overcomes. In other words, the one who puts on that, those church clothes, the one who puts on the Jesus following clothes, the one who receives the free gift of grace and receives the forgiveness that is offered through Jesus because of our sin. Remember, our sin doesn't make us bad. Our sin makes us dead. And we need to come alive. We need to come alive. And so the, those who, who come to life, those who come to life. In other words, he's saying those who overcome. Those who overcome. Here's what he says. Look what he says. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. In other words, Jesus is going, I will vouch for you. 
I will vouch for you. I will vouch for you. Remember, did anybody try out for something? Anybody try out for a team or anything? If you did, you tried out for something, you went through the tryout process, right? And then at some point, the coaches got together and they had to determine if you were gonna make the team or not, right? They had to determine. And so this is what Jesus is saying. Listen, here's what he's saying. Not by their works, not by their deeds, but by their faith. Jesus goes to the Father and says, hey, so-and-so, they put their faith in me. And he confesses us to the Father, and the Father says, good, they're now my, my beloved. They're now holy. They're now blameless. They're now above reproach. This is good news for all of us, right? This is good news. The Father in heaven has said your name. You're on the team. You're on the team. Yeah, that's worth clapping for. He confesses his name and he continually vouches for you. He's continually vouches for you. And so you know what happens? It happens to me all the time. I keep making mistakes. Is anybody else perfect? No. Yeah. We keep making mistakes. And so you know what happens? You know what happens? Jesus in heaven is going, listen, listen. I know, I know Chris is a mess. And I know he keeps making mistakes. But he's your son. Because he put his faith in you. I know, I know he doesn't, he doesn't always get it right, but, he, but I'm, 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 I vouch for him because he put his faith in you. He put his faith in you. We're on the team. And not only that, look at what it says in verse five. He says this, I will not erase his name from the book of life. I will not erase his name from the book of life. Speaking in, in the sports themes, anybody try out for a team and then, and then the, the coach put your name on the list or your, your name didn't get on a list, right? You had, to go to the, you had to go to the coach's office door and see if you made the team. Anybody here? Anybody not make a team? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I won't, I won't embarrass you. you. You go to the list, right? Listen, listen. You may have been cut from every single thing you've tried out for. But when you put your faith in Jesus, you're on the list. You're in the book. I, I used to play baseball back in the day. And man, I was excited anytime that I would go to the book and I would see my name, where I was batting, and what position I was in. There was nothing more thrilling than that. You're in the book when you put your faith in Jesus. My, my daughter and, and uh, Sarah and, and Greta, I think Greta's somewhere in the room, um, she, they tried out for their uh, middle school basketball team and they kept, they kept as many girls as they had uniforms. They, okay, they didn't, they, I, and so, but there was, there was only enough uniforms and they had to make two girls a manager, two girls a manager. So they said, listen, there's gonna be, this is, this is true. They're, they're gonna keep 21 girls and then there's gonna be two managers. And so I, the day that they were gonna find out, and, and, and my daughter Sarah's going, I, Dad, I just don't wanna be a manager. I just don't wanna be a manager. I don't wanna be a manager. And so I pick her up and she opens the door and the first thing she says to me is, Dad, I'm not a manager. <laughs> I go, but yeah, but you're one of 21 girls. Are you ever gonna play, right? Like, <laughs> and she does, you play. 
And so this is, listen, listen. All, all of us, you're, you're in. You're in the book. You get to play. So play and participate. Play and participate because you're in. You made the lineup. I don't know if you're batting fourth. I don't know if you're pitching, but you're on the field. You're in the book. The third thing he says is this, to those that overcome. The one who overcomes will be clothed, there it is again, will be clothed the same way in white garments. Will be clothed the same way in white garments. Now, this is the best, the best illustration I can think of is this. Now, today in the game tonight, maybe you're aware, maybe you're not aware, but the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams used to play on our football team. Did anybody know this or not? Yeah, yeah. His name is Matthew Stafford, right? His name is Matthew. And anybody know this or not? So he was our quarterback, okay, for the Detroit Lions, okay? So Matthew Stafford, I don't know how it all went down, said, listen, I've been here for 13 years, I think, or something like that. He's like, I, I, need, I need to go. I need, it's, not, it's my time to go. And so they arranged it for him to be off the Detroit Lions. How exciting would that be? <laughs> off the Detroit Lions and onto the Los Angeles Rams. And tonight he's playing for the Super Bowl. Now, it, it, it's like this. He said, listen, I don't, <laughs> I don't all, no longer have to play for the lowly Detroit Lions. <laughs> the terrible, terrible Detroit Lions. I'll never get free tickets ever again if anybody from the organization is watching. I never have to. So Matthew Stafford was now traded onto the Los Angeles Rams right here. And now tonight, tonight, he gets to put on, and I don't know if they're wearing white or not, but this is white. But now he gets to put on the white garment. And he gets to play for the Super Bowl. This is the gospel. You see, you and I were dead in our trespasses and in our sins. But Jesus said, you no longer have to be in darkness anymore. You can now play within the marvelous light of knowing Jesus. You can take off the old soiled garments, also known as the Detroit Lions organization, And now you can put on the white garment. And you can win it all. The gospel according to Matthew Stafford. <laughs> Listen. You no longer have to be dead anymore. We as a church no longer have to be dead anymore.
but we need the presence of God. And when we get the presence of God, the Spirit of God will take us out of darkness and trade us into his marvelous light. And you don't have to work to do that. You don't have to try to figure out how to intellectually do that. You don't have to come up with enough emotional inertia to do that. All you and I have to do is simply put our faith in him and you will be traded onto a winning organization called the kingdom of God. Who's on the winning organization? Let's hear it. Last verse, and then we'll pray. So remember, so remember, what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Remember, receive it, hear it, keep it, and repent if necessary, right? And you know what will happen? Revival will happen. Revival will happen. Let's not forget the heart of what's th- what this is all about. It's about being dead and coming back to life again. Don't forget it. Receive it, hear it, keep it, repent if necessary. Revival will happen. Hey, you're on the winning team. Let's play. Let's play. Let's pray. Lord, Ah, so exciting days ahead. Looking forward to what you're gonna do and how you're already working, making a difference, making an impact. Lives are being changed. Decisions are being made. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we're a church that just remember. And we remember what it was like when we first received you and our dead spirits were brought to life again. And we have a new creation. We have a new walk and we're transferred and we're traded on a new team. We're no longer in darkness, but now we're in light. And we're, we're your sons and we're your daughters. And we didn't have to earn that and we didn't deserve that. The work was done on the cross with Jesus. Thank you for that grace. Help us to be a church that puts on our uniform every single day. We put it on. We put on compassion. We put on patience. We put on kindness. We put on grace. We put on forgiveness. We put on love. That's the perfect bond that unites. And we just continue to be a light, a light in this world, in this community. In Jesus' name, amen.